Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Total Energy Services fourth quarter results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Daniel Halleck, President and CEO for Opening Remarks. Please go ahead. Thank you and good morning. Welcome to Total Energy Services' fourth quarter 2020 conference call. Present with me this morning is Yulia Gorbach, Total's VP Finance and CFO. We will review with you Total's financial and operating highlights for the three and 12 months ended December 30th, 31st, 2020 and then provide an outlook for our business and open up the phone lines for questions. Yulia, please proceed. Thank you, Dan. During the, co- the course of this conference call, information may be provided containing forward-looking information concerning totals projected operating results, anticipated capital expenditure trends, and projected drilling activity in the oil and gas industry. Actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected in totals forward-looking statements due to a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors affecting total businesses and the oil and gas service industry in general. These risks, uncertainties, and other factors are described under the heading risk factors and elsewhere in total's most recently filed annual information form and other documents filed with Canadian provincial securities authorities that are available to the public at www.cira.com. Our discussions during this conference call are qualified with reference to the notes to the financial highlights contained in the news release issued yesterday. Unless otherwise indicated, all financial information in this conference call is presented in Canadian dollars. Total Energy's financial results for the three months ended December 31, 2020 reflect continued difficult industry conditions in North America and the moderation of activity levels in Australia. Despite the challenging industry environment, Total's financial performance for the fourth quarter of 2020 improved from the third quarter of 2020, with quarterly revenue increasing 7%, EBITDA increasing 9%, and the quarterly net loss decreasing by 67%. A modest increase in industry activity levels underpinned by the continued recovery in the commodity prices changes in competitive landscape and ongoing efforts to manage costs contributed to this sequential quarterly improvement in the financial performance. The ability of Total Energy's geographic and business diversification to provide a measure of fiscal stability was demonstrated in the fourth quarter. Geographically, as activity levels in Australia moderated during the second half of 2020, in part due to removal from service of two drilling rigs for recertification, Activity in North America continued to improve 
from the historic lows experienced during the second quarter. This is evident by the fact that North America contributed 79% of consolidated revenue in the fourth quarter of 2020, as compared to 68% in the third quarter and 56% in the second quarter of 2020. Within North America, Canada continued to recover more quickly compared to the United States, with the relative contribution from Canada to consolidated fourth quarter revenue increasing 8 percentage points compared to Q4 2019. Fourth quarter revenue contribution from the United States decreased by 8 percentage points on a year-over-year basis, with Australia's fourth quarter revenue contribution remaining relatively consistent with 2019. By business segment, compression process services was the largest contributor to the consolidated revenue, generating 39% of 2020 fourth quarter consolidated revenues, followed by the contract drilling services at 28%, while servicing at 24%, and rentals and transportation services contributing 8%. This compares to Q4 of 2019, when CPS contributed 27% of consolidated revenue, Contract drilling services 39%, well servicing 27%, and RTS segment 10%. In Q4 2019, the CDS segment received a $17.6 million contract termination payment that materially increased that segment's revenue contribution. While fourth quarter consolidated revenue declined 45% on a year-over-year basis, Consolidated EBITDA increased by 12% after adjusting for $0.8 million unrealized foreign exchange loss on intercompany working capital balances in Q4 of 2020 and excluding non-recurring $17.6 million termination payment received in 2019. This is a result of the measures taken in all business segments at the onset of COVID-19 pandemic to manage costs and receipt of government assistance in Canada, in the United States, and Australia. The $9.1 million received on various COVID-19 relief programs during the fourth quarter of 2020 reduced cost of services by $8.1 million and uh, SGNA by $1 million. Excluding $17.6 million termination payment received in 2019, consolidated gross margin percentage for the fourth quarter of 2020 was 29% as compared to 24% in Q4 of 2019. Excluding both COVID-19 funds received in Q4 2020 and the termination payment, the gross margin percentage for Q4 2020 was 20% as compared to 24% for Q4 2019. This decrease was due to lower activity level levels in normal jurisdiction and competitive pricing particularly in North America, as well as the year-over-year change in the segmental revenue mix. Selling general administration expenses for the fourth quarter of 2020 decreased by $6.5 million, or 55%, compared to Q4 of 2019. Excluding COVID-19 relief funds, fourth quarter's GNA declined by 47% on a year-over-year basis. Within our CDS segment, despite a substantial year-over-year decline in activity, excluding the $17.6 million termination payment received in 2019, 
This segment's EBITDA margin increased by 35% or 680 basis points. The increase in EBITDA margin was primarily due to increased relative contributions from Australia, combined with North American cost control measures and the receipt of COVID-19 relief funds. Fourth quarter operating days in Australia were negatively impacted by two rigs having been removed from service in the third quarter of 2020 for recertifications and upgrades. Both rigs have been contracted with one rig scheduled to return to service next month and the second in July of this year. While our fourth quarter United States rig utilization was down on a year-over-year basis, utilization increased by 118% or 13 percentage points from 11% in Q3 2020 to 24% in Q4 2020, compared to approximate 29% increase in the U.S. land rig count during Q4 2020. Similarly, while fourth quarter Canadian drilling activity was lower on a year-over-year basis, our Canadian rig utilization doubled in the fourth quarter of 2020 compared to Q3 of 2020. Effective April 1, 2020, the CDS segment revised its depreciation estimate for the drilling equipment to reflect changing economic and industry conditions. As a result, additional incremental expense of $3.2 million was recorded during the fourth quarter. This prospective change in depreciation estimates had no impact on EBITDA or cash flow. The RTS segment similarly experienced a substantial year-over-year decline in the fourth quarter rental utilization. While this resulted in a 56% year-over-year decline in revenue, fourth quarter segment EBITDA increased by 9% and EBITDA margin increased by 148% as compared to 2019. Excluding the receipt of COVID-19 relief funds, the RTS segment saw fourth quarter EBITDA decline at almost half the rate at which revenue declined relative to 2019. And the quarterly operating loss in this segment decreased by 20% on a year-over-year basis as a result of significant cost rationalization actions undertaken over the past two years. Significant increase in equipment utilization in the United States, as well as change in the mix of equipment operating, contributed to a 17% increase in RDS segment revenue for the fourth quarter of 2020, compared to Q3 of 2020. While new equipment demand remained sluggish in the fourth quarter of 2020, our compression and process service segment saw a modest increase in its fabrication sales backlog during the quarter as improving global natural gas fundamentals began to to stimulate capital investment. The recovery in North American natural gas prices during the latter latter part of 2020 also contributed to support for CPS's part-time service and retrofit business lines, which has continued into 2021. Utilization for the compression rental fleet equipment decreased during the fourth quarter due primarily to the return of 6,500 horsepower compression rental units following the bankruptcy of of a U.S. customer. These units are in the process of being redeployed with the new customers. Despite a 19% year-over-year decline in CPS fourth quarter revenue, 
Segment EBITDA for the quarter increased by 22% and EBITDA margin increased by 52% as a result of cost management and the receipt of COVID assistance. Fourth quarter service hours and revenue in our well servicing segment were both 42% lower as compared to Q4 2019, while segment EBITDA decreased by 15% as compared to the same period of 2019. Despite lower activity levels in all jurisdictions, the fourth quarter EBITDA margin in this segment increased to 35% compared to a 23% EBITDA margin in Q4 2019 as a result of cost management efforts and the receipt of COVID-19 relief funds. While our Canadian well servicing segment began to receive some federal government funded well abandonment work during the fourth quarter of 2020, such activity did not have material impact on this segment's financial performance in 2020. Total, total Energy's financial and liquidity position continued to strengthen during the fourth quarter of 2020. At December 31, 2020, the weighted average interest rate on outstanding bank debt was 2.72% as compared to 4.09% at December 31, 2019. This lower interest rate, combined with lower outstanding debt balances, contributed to a $2.6 million or 20% year-over-year decrease in annual finance costs. Total's net debt position at December 31, 2020 is the lowest since we completed the acquisition of Savannah in June of 2017. Subsequent to the year-end, in addition to regular mortgage payments, further $10 million of bank debt has been repaid. Total Energy's bank covenants consist of maximum senior debt to trailing 12-month bank EBITDA of three times and minimum bank-defined EBITDA to interest expense of three times. At December 31, 2020, the company's senior bank debt to bank EBITDA ratio was 2.35, and the bank interest coverage ratio was 8.67. Thank you, Yulia. 2020 was a year that most would like to forget. At the same time, 2020 brought out the best in many people, including the employees of Total Energy, whose perseverance and hard work saw us successfully navigate through the most challenging industry downturn that I have ever experienced. Despite the increased health and safety risks presented by COVID-19, not only was Total able to support our customers' essential operations by providing continuous service in all jurisdictions in which we operate, but we also achieved the lowest annual consolidated total recordable injury frequency in our 24-year corporate history. This is an achievement that I'm very proud of given the difficult circumstances faced by our employees over the past year. 2020 also demonstrated the strength and resiliency of Total Energy's business model and the benefits arising from our commitment to managing our operations and investing our owners' capital in a disciplined and prudent manner. While 2020 revenue fell by over 50% compared to 2019, Total continued to generate substantial free cash flow that was used to reduce bank debt by $44.8 million and further strengthen the company's liquidity position. 
While oil and natural gas prices have recovered significantly over the past few months, and we have seen activity levels rebound from the lows experienced following the outbreak of COVID-19 last March, energy producers remain cautious and industry conditions remain uncertain. As such, we remain focused on the efficient operation of our business and the preservation of our liquidity and balance sheet strength. While debt repayment remains a priority, Total will also pursue investments that make economic sense, as evidenced by our board's decision to increase our 2020 capital budget by $4.5 million. Total Energy's track record of disciplined capital spending and prudent operational management positioned our company to get through some very difficult times. Our shareholders and other stakeholders can rest assured that we remain committed to our core value of capital stewardship, and as such, capital deployment will continue to be disciplined and focused on investment opportunities that generate economic profit as we begin our 25th year in business with a sense of cautious but increasing optimism. I would now like to open up the phone lines for any questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. The first question comes from Patrick Tang with ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Um, good morning. So um, just wondering if you give us some details here. Re regarding the 6,500 horsepower and rental compression that was returned in the quarter, um, Based on current market conditions, do you expect that to go back to work anytime soon, or is this something that might take some time to find a home in the field? And also, was there any associated write-off of receivables related to that particular customer? So in answer to the first question, about a third of that has already been contracted, so uh, it's uh, proceeding quite well. There's good demand for that style of equipment. And secondly, there was no write-off in relation to any um, any uh, payables in regards to that uh, situation. Okay. Um, all right, so two-parter here. Um, with Australia, uh, the, the drilling days were a bit more robust than we had originally thought with the rigs leaving the fields for upgrades. Do you expect a bigger hit on activity through the first half of 21, or can we expect fairly flat levels from Q4? And second, well servicing hours were also really down in Australia. Just wondering if there's anything non-recurring in that or if we should be looking at a lower level going forward. So I think um, Australia generally uh, lagged North America in terms of, I would call it the COVID impact. But, uh, you know, as things, uh, as society tightened up there and lockdowns tightened up, we definitely saw um, moderation in the back half of, of 2020. You know, going forward, obviously we've telegraphed for two quarters now, or three quarters, the uh, scheduled uh, removal of the two drilling rigs. Um, we're happy to say both have been contracted uh, with a very good client, and uh, the one will be starting here in a few weeks, and the second in July. So, uh, you know, we expect our rig um, days to go up uh, over the course of this year. 
and the well servicing side. Again, Q1 is typically your, your slow quarter in Australia, given uh, it's the rainy season. It's essentially the breakup. But um, what I think we're seeing in Australia, similar to North America, is um, uh, you know, good recovery in, in prices. Uh, you know, particularly in Australia, the Asian LNG gas market uh, was very strong this past winter. And so, um, you know, I'm not going to make any predictions or give forecasts, but we're generally fairly positive on Australia for the balance of the year. Okay. Um, so, just changing gears a little bit here. Through, through the company's compression and process services business, have you found any opportunities to participate in any energy transition or sustainability projects? Anything along the lines of carbon capture and storage, hydrogen, renewable natural gas, et cetera? Very much so. I would refer you and, and other listeners to our website. Um, during the, um, in the past few months, we've actually rebranded Spectrum to OBSCO. Um, if people recall, Back in 2013, we acquired um, the business Obsco Manufacturing, which has been around for a long time, um, you know, 40 years or so. But uh, uh, they had previously uh, had some good experience in things like carbon capture. Uh, we have some very good current experience in some unique uh, projects uh, tied to different uh, things like portable LNG, and um, I would invite people to have a look at our website, but uh, um, you know, certainly we're, uh, we have exposure to hydrogen, biogas, um, carbon capture, all of that stuff. You know, in essence, gas is gas. I know there's certain gases seem to be the flavor of the day, but uh, you know, we manufacture, design, and engineer equipment that's used to handle uh, solids, liquids, and gases of all forms of nature. So. We have good exposure. You know, on the drilling front, we'd be the by far number one driller for helium in Canada. I think we're pretty much the only driller for helium. So, uh, again, um, you know, those are kind of unique niche areas that uh, we have some good experience in. Um, okay, last one here and a little bit of cleanup. Uh, seems like activity levels are looking a little bit more bullish through the year across your footprint. That said, do you anticipate requiring a meaningful investment in working capital through the year? Uh, I think um, as things pick up, obviously you're going to have your, your normal working capital uh, uh, pickups. The flip side is we're sitting on some very good inventory within our compression and process group, which will be uh, unwind as things pick up. So I think we're in a bit of a unique position where um, you know our unwind of inventory um, you know, will uh, be a, a significant offset to any um, normal working capital increases. So, uh, again, um, you know, uh, as the compression process business picks up, um, that'll be very helpful in helping us unwind our investment in, in inventory. And we saw that uh, to a certain extent in Q4, about $10 million reduction, um, you know, over the course of the year there. So, we hope that. Um, you know, that'll continue here in, uh, in 2021. Alrighty, thank you. I'm going to turn it back now. Thanks, Patrick. The next question comes from John Berezniki with Canaccord. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, John. Good morning. 
So I think you've already addressed my uh, questions on Australia, but just on compression, you're um, obviously built some backlog in the fourth quarter. You're uh, throwing a little extra capital at the rental fleet. Just wondering if you kind of characterize the dynamic with your clients right now on, on sales uh, you know, versus rentals and capital allocation and kind of what, what, what you're seeing out in the field in that regard. You know, I think everyone, uh, uh, you know, last Q2, the world just stopped. I think everyone was trying to figure out what this meant. And uh, I think everyone was trying to protect their balance sheet and liquidity. And as we come out of this, you know, layer on the Saudi Russian oil price war, you know, it was a pretty crazy time. I think everyone's, you know, figuring out where things are at and, and where they're going. And, and obviously, we've had some pretty good commodity price recovery. And, um, you know, our customers have to make some money, and, and we're starting to see them make some money. And uh, that's the first step towards, uh, you know, them having confidence to make investment decisions. Um, you know, so I... Uh, I'm not a person to try and predict commodity prices, but if we have some stability at these levels, you know, I'll, I'm willing to bet we'll have a better year than we did last year. And I think, uh, you know, we started to see that in Q4. And, um, you know, we need to see our customers have confidence and and, um, and continue to uh, uh, invest, and they're starting to do that. So, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but... Uh, I think the sense of uh, optimism clearly is improving from you know a few months ago. Got it. Thanks for that. And then just geographically, you know, broad brush, can you give us a sense of kind of what you're seeing in, in compression right now in terms of uh, customer sentiment? Um, I think um, certainly we're seeing good demand on our parts and service business. And that's a function of, you know, some pretty good spot gas prices here in North America. Um, there's also been a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, industry contraction on the supply side in, in all divisions. Um, we're also seeing um, a pickup again in some international uh, business opportunities. So um, that's encouraging as well. I think the uh, the Asian LNG uh Price uptick has certainly stimulated some some investment, and uh, you know, and again, as we see the uh, West Coast LNG project in Canada continue, that should be helpful as well for not only new products but uh, for our parts and service business as well. Um, you know, on the on the uh, U.S. side, interestingly, today I believe we're running six rigs down in uh, yeah. Texas, and I expect that number to go up here in the next uh, few weeks. So I think we're, I'd have to check, but we're pretty close, if not higher, than where we were this time last year. So, you know, that's interesting as well. Yeah, great color, and you kind of transition to my next question, obviously, uh, Q4 seems like a bit of an inflection point in your U.S. drilling businesses. Has anything changed structurally for you in that in that market, or is it just a matter of uh, taking advantage of, of you know higher industry rate counts? I think um, what we've done there is is um, you know we've rebuilt our management team over the last couple of years, and and they're doing a fantastic job of running a very safe 
um, efficient operation, and we're demonstrating the value of um, uh, of having good, competent crews with good, well-maintained iron. And, and frankly, until the last couple of days, all of our utilization was was did not involve triples. You know, we're, we've got a triple uh, starting up as we speak, but um, you know, we're competing um, very well. Uh, by bringing in lighter, more efficient rigs that are doing the job in some cases that triples used to do. Got it. No, that's interesting color. Uh, I think that's it for me. Appreciate it. Thanks, John. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. The next question comes from Joseph Schachter with Schachter Energy Research. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. Uh, good morning, Dan and Yulia. Um, good morning, going Joseph. First to the business, um, are you seeing uh, much improvement in Q1 versus Q4 and in the orders and discussions that you're having with people uh, for the you know post-breakup in Canada? And uh, as you said, you're looking to bring a triple on in the, in the, in the U.S., uh, how do you how do you how do you feel the sentiment? How do you feel the activity rate? And what do you see in terms of pricing? Do you see having the ability to charge for things that you used to give for free? Are you seeing now that you can get some payment for that? Um, well, first of all, I think you know you can see what the drilling numbers were in Western Canada this winter uh, in Q1, Joseph, and they were off year over year. Um, again, I think. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it takes a while for producers to heal their balance sheets and, and have confidence. Um, what I would say, though, is sentiment today is, is um, quite a bit stronger than it was even a month ago. And um, we're in a position where um, we're probably, and this I'll speak to all divisions generically here, where we're oversold on some classes of equipment. And, um, you know, that sets the table for price discussion. Okay. Now, um, is part of the price discussion the, the pressure from labor costs and how, and high, hiring people and training them because of the, a lot of people having left the industry? Definitely, um, you know, labor will be a challenge if, if things pick up uh, materially. You know, we ran in, in Western Canada, um, you know, I don't think we cracked 200 rigs. So, um, you know, we didn't push it. From our perspective, we didn't uh, experience any significant labor uh, challenges. Um, but I think as an industry, that's going to be a big issue here uh, as we look to come to anything close to what historically was, was operated. Um, you know, so how do you attract labor back? You know, you have to, first of all, offer them steady work and a fair and reasonable competitive wage. And I think the biggest thing is going to be, um, you know, the prospect of steady work because a lot of, uh, I believe a lot of people have left the industry for lower paying per hour jobs, but they're steady. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. And uh, so we need as an industry to have some steady work if we want to have a reliable, consistent uh, workforce. So, you know, I think step one is going to be to get some um, stability, particularly in Canada where, you know, it's been a rough rough industry for five, six years now, um, less so in the U.S., but, um, you know, it was a rough year last year. You know, you had rig towns sure. in North America go to places we've never seen before. 
Now, on the rig count, uh, with the rig upgrades in Australia, are they moving towards biofuels, pad walking units? Uh, what what are you doing on the upgrades there, and uh, what's the difference on upgrades there versus maybe upgrades in Canada and the States? So we have biofuel, we have walking systems, um, you know, we have all that everywhere. Um, that's pretty off the shelf. In fact, we had a rig in northeast BC, oh, it's got to be well over 10 years ago. Uh, we were told at the time it was drilling for Encana, uh, that it, we were told it was the first rig in the world to drill with biofuel, but also drill under balance with natural gas. We just, you know, we don't make a big deal out of that, but we have all of that. And so, you know, we're operating rigs today that are, uh, you know, fueled by uh, natural gas, have walking systems, um, all of that stuff. Our, you know, our uh, partnership with um, with Payson, you know, we're delivering automation and, and um, data collection and, and an analytics, just like any other leading uh, drilling contractor. You know, the upgrades in Australia, um, we're pretty tight hole on that. Um, I understand we're displacing another contractor in at least one of the cases. So, um, but uh, they're things that uh, we're comfortable with. We have to recertify both rigs anyways, and in the process of marketing, um, you know, we ended up signing a contract for a, a multi-year project that required some uh, primarily hook load upgrades. Okay, the, the next one for me would be um, the we've seen a lot of M&A in the EMP sector. We haven't seen much M&A in the service sector. Is it um, people feel they're worth more, or or is it just it's a question of equipment and management styles, operating styles? Any reason your thought process of why we haven't seen more activity there? You know, I think. Um Part of the problem is, is debt levels with some of the uh, potential targets. Um, you know, the, the relative debt levels um, to uh, the cash flow those asset bases can generate are a real problem. And so, you know, for us to pay par value for debt when, you know, there's some serious questions to whether that asset base can even service the debt, let alone getting into, you know, having a discussion on equity value, that's a problem. Um, you know, the other thing is is the quality of the asset base. I think, um, you know, we saw it more in the U.S. so far where older assets are just um, going the way of uh, the scrapyard. And I think you're going to increasingly see that in, in Canada where, um, you know, a lot of that's happened already. You look at the Canadian rig fleet. It was north of 900 rigs not so long ago and we're sub 500 and realistically, if 300 could work, I'd be uh, surprised. Um, you know, but I just I think if you're trying to evaluate that, look at the um, ability of various companies to generate cash flow relative to their interest payments, and that'll that's a big barrier. So I think unless and until uh, debt holders um, mark to market their debt, uh, that's going to be a barrier to uh, consolidation, but I believe consolidation has to happen. Um, it needs to happen. You know, we've seen with our acquisition of Savannah uh, very significant benefits. You know, we've been able to get through a very tough time and, and pay down debt pretty aggressively at very low utilization rates. Um, 
you know, we're going to continue to see good synergies in 2021 here. Um, we're uh, uh, the uh, lease that we acquired uh, on Savannah's uh, head office uh, premises expires here at the end of June, and on a go-forward basis for the next six, seven years, we're going to be saving about $3 million a year in, in, uh, in lease costs, which uh, that's in addition to the over $20 million of synergies that we've extracted uh, so far. So, um, you know, consolidation allows you to take costs out. We're big fans of it, and we're working hard to try and, and do more. But we're also not going to put our balance sheet at risk and uh, put our shareholders at risk. Last one for me. Um, the last investor presentation was uh, was changed in September of 2020. Do you t have any idea or game plan to upgrade that, or is that the latest uh, one uh, from point of view of information to to uh, integrate into a report? Well, we're hoping more people be interested in our industry. It seems to turning <laughs> a bit. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll upgrade typically around you know pres presenting at a conference or you know if there's a material. Change, but we'll likely upgrade for um, for Q4 here and and you know and that. So, um, but uh, you know we're we're pretty focused on on running our business, Joseph. And um, you know I've always been a believer that you got to put the numbers up, and and th those are the best things to uh, to promote your stock. Is just put up good numbers, and and ultimately. Uh, Hopefully your shareholders are rewarded, but definitely, you know, we're we're uh, trying a bit more here to, you know, um, illustrate our exposure, for example, to some of these emerging potential opportunities, mm -hmm. um, hydrogen, all that. You know, I remember when we first started Total, hydrogen was a big thing back then, and you know, it kind of flopped. You know, it's back again. We'll see, uh, you know, if there's any significant uh, opportunities there, but. You know, we'll we'll build whatever, we'll drill for whatever, and we're going to do it in an industry-leading, responsible way. Um. Okay, super. Well, thanks very much, uh, uh, Dan, Yulia, and uh, it's not we, that we shouldn't be uh, unhappy. You, you know, stock has tripled from the from the March low, but uh, uh, definitely got a way to go to get back to the lofty years of 2016-2018 uh, period. You know, I think our, um, you look at our share count, uh, um, Joseph, it's it's a low share count. Um, you know, you look at our, our EBITDA that we were able to generate in a very, very difficult year and at low equipment utilization. Again, we made some difficult choices not to go completely into the tank on pricing and that mm -hmm. resulted in some market share loss last year. But I think you start to see in Q4, as the pricing uh, starts to become a little more reasonable, we're regaining lost market share. And we're also going to see, you know, whose equipment's ready to go to work without major uh, capital. And I can tell you ours is. And, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of companies that work their equipment into the ground, uh, don't have the ability to fund working capital uh, upticks because uh, they worked too cheap for a long time and, and uh, didn't maintain their equipment or put it down in bad shape. And I think the industry in North America particularly uh, will be in for a bit of a rude awakening if we try and get that rig count up uh, in the next quarter or two. Yeah. 
and it's not just rigs, it's all the support equipment. You know, we're already seeing it in, in some parts where, you know, our rigs are sitting waiting for cementers or other service providers, just there's a shortage of them. You know, rig moves in Texas right now, a lot of rig moving companies went broke. Okay. Well, thanks very much for the uh, for the uh, explanations and and uh, taking my questions. I much appreciate it. Thank no you, problem, Joseph. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Daniel Halick for any closing remarks. Thanks, everyone, for participating. I hope you have a good weekend, and we look forward to speaking with you after our first quarter results. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.